Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? Hey, everybody. You know, usually we talk about horror games, but today we're talking about non-horror games. That's right. Non-horror games are also full of spooky shit, and one of you asked us to talk about it, so we are going to talk about it. Well, there's a long history of developers hiding Easter eggs in games. And frequently, they have been spooky. So there's actually a ton to talk about. But before we do, a couple reminders. As always, this episode is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to help support the show. You get an extra episode every week. And uh, yeah, you can jump in the Discord and chat with us. It's a good time. Also, Zero Brightness is a club, and we tell you what games we're playing, so you can play along with us if you so choose. Can it be a gang instead of a club? It just sounds so much cooler. (laughs) Game gang? Yeah, gang gang. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. (laughs) Um, Yeah, sure, why not? We're a gang. Come join our gang. Yeah, I carry a knife, and I've known to do some shady things in my time. Sure, why not? Yeah. So, today... We are talking about spooky stuff in non-horror games, which is a big topic, apparently, as you discovered. There's a whole Reddit about it, and people really like talking about this stuff. I mean, there's been a ghost in Mario games forever. Yeah. How much more spooky could it get? (laughs) Totally. Well, and I think, too, with, you know, like we talked about in the last topic episode, uh you know talking about creepypastas that are based on games and you know sort of viral horror stuff that's based on video games Mm -hmm. uh the rise of that has made people a lot more interested in kind of cataloging and talking about all the spooky stuff that was in games especially that we played as kids and teens you know exactly yeah and i think you know the best place to start is really to talk about what always comes to my mind first (laughs) right which is uh zelda of course Zelda is the scariest non-horror series of all time. There's a lot of spooky stuff. (laughs) A lot of graveyards. Yeah. A lot of lightning. Is lightning spooky? Lightning is spooky as hell, dude. Oh, yeah. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot. Sorry. Right now, I'm really scared of snow. So, you know, that's where my head's at. Spooky. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, in the last topic episode we did talk a lot about zelda because i think the big sort of seminal video game creepypasta is ben drowned which is based on Mm. majora's mask yeah and like majora's mask is basically a horror game i think there's a compelling (laughs) argument to be made there isn't it the twin peaks of the zelda franchise i think we determined that in an earlier episode was that one of the polls too? Did we get numbers to support that? I, I think, think so. we may have posted a poll about this. The data's in. Yeah. We have facts. Yeah. But yeah, Majora's Mask, if you aren't familiar or don't remember, I mean, it begins with Link going on a quest to find someone that he lost. It's assumed that he's talking about Zelda because at the end of Ocarina of Time, it's basically like time gets reset. And then he ends up in this weird, dark, Otherworld that is very, very literally and figuratively dark and creepy. He first encounters, like, you know, evil tricksters and a really, really creepy, you know, man who's got a real, like, Mephistopheles vibe to him. <laughs> uh, 
And then the rest of the game, I mean, is basically him going on this quest while the moon slowly crashes into the earth. I mean, <laughs> it kind of sets a tone, you know? Yeah. So here's the thing. I've never played Majora's Mask. What? Right? What is that? Wow. I played Ocarina like a thousand times, but I've never played Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask is better. You think so? Like, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, and especially if you like horror games, because it's like a smaller world, it's a shorter, tighter experience, and yeah, it's like super creepy. Well, Majora's Mask is one of like the two gothy Zelda games. Yes. And I really dislike the other gothy Zelda game, Twilight Princess. Oh, Why do you have to hurt me like this every time we talk about Zelda? Well, just because, I don't know, I've, I've kind of avoided Majora's Mask. One, because the hype is just so real. And then two, um, it's the gothy one, and I don't like the gothy ones. <laughs> it's so good, though. Like, okay, so the thing that's great about this game is that it is still a Zelda game. Like, it's full of bright, colorful characters. It's an adventure, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. the the real, like, dark and scary parts of the game are really deeply woven into the game and well integrated. So. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these different dialogue and conversation cues that happen that are really weird and unsettling. There's all these different environments that are really weird and unsettling. The whole concept of like trying to avert the end of the world and the really just epic and crazy way that it's staged is super, super cool. And it's just a really, really, really well made game. Mm. Uh, And the other thing that's crazy about it, too, is that I don't think it's that far from Ocarina of Time because Ocarina of Time is also full of spooky shit. Sure. Yeah. It's just a bigger game, so it doesn't feel as prominent as it does in Majora's Mask. You know, Ocarina of Time introduced a lot of spooky stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Those like creepy zombie dudes with the faces. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. That are like burned into my brain since the age of 11. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So Ocarina of Time, it really hides the spooky stuff well, and it does it in a really kind of fucked up way that definitely <laughs> to me signals that these guys like horror movies and like horror games and stuff because, okay, so in Ocarina of Time, basically you play a pretty good chunk of the game, if not the first half of the game, and then you go to the Temple of Time and it's like, okay, you're going to activate this thing and no one knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you get jumped forward in time. You walk out of the temple and everything is destroyed. The world is a, looks like <laughs> a total nuclear wasteland. And now there's fucking zombies everywhere, which if they catch you in their line of sight, you freeze and an incredibly loud scream <laughs> plays. Good times. Right? And yeah. it's just like, oh my God, what is this? It's super crazy and scary, especially if you were a kid. The first time you played that, mm-hmm. you were just like horrified and i feel like each zelda after that has had like at least one or two like real good spooky parts totally even if it's just like little atmospheric things yeah well and it's interesting because ocarina of time had the redads and basically everything in the shadow temple the shadow temple is just fucking scary okay Mm, yeah but the truth is that the whole idea of kind of like a dark and ruined world has been in zelda almost forever sure And, like, it's a pretty important part of the series' DNA, which, like, for example, I mean, the earliest example that I can think of is Link to the Past. 
Sure, yeah. Like, Link to the Past has two worlds, and one of them is the Dark World, which is totally ruined and has been taken over by this evil force. And it's, like, hella sad and creepy. (laughs) And you're just a helpless little bunny rabbit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I always felt that Link to the Past has, like, a really dark and sad tone to it. Yeah, totally. All the Zelda games have to do with, like, averting fate. Yeah, I, I th- it became a trope after Link to the Past to uh, have sort of, like, looking, peering into a, um alternate world where everything is shit and averting that. Right. Especially with Twilight Princess. Now, so I will say this. Part of the reason that Breath of the Wild was so well-received and people like it so much is it actually managed to marry the two halves of Link to the Past. So sure. one half being the sort of bright, colorful adventure, the other half being the sort of dark, creepy, sad part, right? It's the the preppy part and the goth part. They managed to mix <laughs> them together into a nice, you know, light gray outfit that everyone agrees looks very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twilight Princess, on the other hand, is basically uh, trip pants, if you remember those. Wearing eyeliner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the total fucking gothed out Zelda game. And I love it. It's maybe my favorite Zelda. It's so, so, so good. It's got a couple moments. Yeah. I like the guy made out of gold. He's really creepy. And he's not even supposed to be creepy. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's just so much good stuff in this game. Like, similar to Majora's Mask, right away you get transformed and you're trying to figure out how to return to being a human you're caught in like a really scary dark world and like a lot of the music sounds like the scary fx twin songs <laughs> and like I, I don't know it just has that great dark sad atmosphere but it also has a real great like sort of crumbling epic feel to it they mm. definitely took a lot of influence from shadow of the colossus think so oh yeah like when you're out in the overworld there's certain scenes where it's like oh yeah this has that Shadow of the Colossus vibe where it's like you're on a great and exciting adventure but also everything has gone to shit. I have a lot of feelings about Twilight Princess. Maybe we'll have to (laughs) do a mini review one day or something. I would love that. You know what I'd love even more would be to be able to play it on my motherfucking Nintendo Switch. (laughs) This is really starting to drive me nuts because I don't have anything to play it on. I got rid of my Wii, got rid of my GameCube. It's like, come on. Just get a Wii U, dude. Everybody's got one. Come on. James. <laughs> you know, here's what's amazing. Side note. Side note for everyone listening. Maybe you've heard this exchange before. But every time I say how great the GameCube is, James tries to shut me down immediately. And yet, the other day in the Discord, he goes on at length about how great the Wii U was. And like, <laughs> come on, dude. You may be mis- misremembering what I said about the Wii U. Uh, I said it had a few good games. <laughs> I remember a lot of Wii U positivity, okay? Yeah, well, I bought the damn thing, so you gotta live with it somehow. Okay, buyers are more, so I get it now. <laughs> Put a lot of good hours into Mario Kart. Yeah. <laughs> that Mario Kart that everyone got later. Yeah, on, on the, the Switch. Switch. Yeah. Well, Twilight Princess now needs to be one of those Nintendo games that everybody gets later on the Switch because it's great. I feel like the Wii U was just like buying early access for Mario Kart 8. 
<laughs> the beta. Yeah. A very expensive beta. Yeah, Twilight Princess, uh, Ocarina of Time. I think that's a good place to start this episode. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to take a little different direction. I'm always talking about Hitman. You can't stop me. Well, oh, God. One of the earliest games that really scared the shit out of me was not a horror game at all. It was Hitman Contracts for the PS2. There is a hotel stage where you have to kill somebody in a hotel room. But, like, the hotel's pretty big, and an entire wing is, like, closed down. And it's all, like, closed for renovations. Nice. But if you're walking down a certain hallway and, like, I don't know, maybe fulfilling some criteria... Like, a fucking ghost will come out of nowhere and, like, walk towards you and literally scare the shit out of you because it it gives you, like, no warning at all. It's just like, oh, fuck, a ghost is coming at me, and this isn't even a horror game. Yeah. (laughs) Turns out if you, like, look in all the rooms, there is a hotel room that had a murder in the bathroom. I think there's, like, blood in the bathtub and stuff. You peek around, you can get some more context. But yeah, that was literally fucking horrifying in a game that was not horror at all. And I feel like these little horror Easter eggs and not horror games are a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I think that's like a really great illustration of what makes these so cool Mm -hmm. and why they stick with people, you know? It's just like that first time you walk out of the Temple of Time in Ocarina of Time as adult Link, Mm -hmm. you are not expecting that, you know? Same as when you're playing Hitman, you're like, there aren't ghosts in this game. And then the game's like, guess what, dude? (laughs) There's ghosts. Well, another huge one from a couple years ago was uh, when GTA V came out and players started discovering this ghost on a cliffside. Uh, Do you remember this? No. No. If you, if if you go to a certain cliffside at a certain time, I think it's like between twelve and one in the morning, uh, you'll see a ghost, and if you get close enough, she disappears. Hmm. Uh, there's like some initials or something like carved into the cliffside there, but incidentally, you can find more information about this woman through like newspaper clippings in the game. It never becomes like part of a story or anything, but apparently, she's like the. Uh, the wife of a stuntman and the stuntman like pushed her off the cliff to like further his career or whatever. doesn't really matter, but the ghost was freaky as fuck. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Nice. GTA has always had kind of like a uh, bunch of uh, Easter eggs with like ghosts and UFOs, things that lead okay. to dead ends. Uh, GTA five had a short mini quest thing with like a UFO cult that was marginally interesting. But yeah, this ghost thing is a uh, pretty cool and, yeah it never really tied into the game at all yeah i think the last grand theft auto i played was like a few minutes of vice city Mm. that was a long time ago vice city starring kyle mclaughlin what really yeah well he didn't star in it but he was a character in it yeah oh nice (laughs) i never was a was big into those but i do occasionally find little articles about weird things hidden in them and yeah i mean that's kind of one of the cool things about open world games is they can just hide weird shit for people to find and obsess over mm-hmm. yeah like, absolutely oh, fucking creepy as shit yeah well you know open world games are kind of notorious for that especially like fallout and the gta series you know yeah totally yeah. okay I've got, I've got a couple of short ones too that i just want to mention uh we've talked about them before i think both of them on the show but <laughs> i just want to point out that like i remember being a kid and 
certain music cues combined with visuals in games were just so, so, so scary <laughs> and like kind of define all logic. Um, the two that jumped to mind, okay, the one that really scared me, and once again, I've talked about this before, so I just want to get the full name out there and then put this to bed. As you can tell, I'm deeply traumatized by it. Uh, was the ColecoVision game Smurfs Rescue in Gargamel's Castle. <laughs> Classic. And like, so it's the second area you go to in the game are these caves. Mm-hmm. And it has this like really horrifying atonal music that sounds like it's trying to be some weird like minimalist <laughs> Russian orchestral shit, but it's like in beeps and boops. So it's super fucking scary. Mm-hmm. Like, I could totally imagine it it being in a game like I'm scared and no one would bat an eye, you know? <laughs> nice. But also like visually the color palette is really creepy. It's like super dark, but it's also just very weird looking. It almost looks like a photo negative. Mm, yeah. Like the colors are all crazy. And I just remember that was like super scary. Uh, <laughs> and the one that really scared my sister and it didn't scare me, but it like sort of transfixed me because i thought it was so creepy and weird and cool were the dungeons in the original zelda Mm. uh, for the nes yeah like they were just so dark and cold and the music was really scary and mysterious nice and it was pretty much the same thing every dungeon but with a different uh like spot color basically but it was just so effective that it didn't matter and it's really fun to go back to old horror games or old games that had like scary parts and see how they achieved that kind of horrific effect with really limited tech cool smurfs rescue and gargamel's castle that's what it's called tune to channel three for that one (laughs) jiggle the rf adapter oh yeah dude this shit never worked (laughs) Uh, so another little childhood fave that I think is isn't discussed enough in the context of being super super creepy. Mm-hmm. It's Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> it's got kind of like a a little eyeliner around the corners. Oh no, it's a lot, dude. <laughs> Trust me, it's definitely wearing a Cure T-shirt under its uh, bright orange sweater. Believe me. So Banjo-Kazooie is basically a game about two friends who are going to rescue one of their, like, I don't know, it's like their sister or their girlfriend or something. Uh, But the trouble that she's in is that a witch captured her, brought her to her evil haunted castle, and now (laughs) wants to eat her. So pretty dark-sided. And the game, like when you're going around the castle, it's like the music is really spooky. The game is really dark and gothic looking. And some of the worlds actually still have that same look, like that same really dark color palette and the kind of weird minimalist uh, spooky music. And there's even a scare hidden in one of the worlds. There's like a shark that will scare you. I think the thing for me when I was a kid is I really like just wandering around the castle mm. and like it's like an evil witch's castle and they sell it, you know, very well. And there's like kind of a creepy game over screen. I don't know. It's got some sauce. It's got some horror sauce. Let me just say that. <laughs> yes. Little side Next sauce. Time, yeah. A little side of horror sauce. Next time you boot up Banjo-Kazooie, like really think about it. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. 
All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. The next thing I wanted to talk about was uh, these sentient Quake 3 bots I came across on the internet. Okay. Now, these aren't really inherently scary at all, but it's just kind of like creepy and unnerving what the AI did on its own. So, uh, apparently, Quake 3 bots were designed based off an artificial neural network. I don't know how true that is. But they would essentially um, watch the player and think to figure out the best ways to do things or fight or whatever. This one guy left his Quake 3 Arena server on for, uh, like, three years. Okay. And it's just, like, 16 bots fighting each other. And apparently he forgot about it and logged back in to check on them. And when he did log in, he saw that they were all just standing still. (laughs) What the fuck? And, yeah. And so he uh, started a new map and jumped in with them. And apparently they would all just stand still and look at him. Weird. And if he attacked, they would attack him. But they wouldn't attack each other anymore. Huh. Some dudes, I guess it was like 4chan or Reddit or something started theorizing that they were probably thinking that a 0 to 0 kill ratio is better than like a 1 to 1 and so they all just decided to not kill each other whoa they (laughs) developed their own peaceful society (laughs) yeah in a game made about blowing each other up with rocket launchers that's both creepy and kind of beautiful right Then this guy had to come ruin their peaceful society. Yeah, of course. (laughs) This forum lurker had to jump in. Yeah. And apparently the AI logs are kept in a file. And apparently uh, each one is half a gig in size. Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. So they did some learning. That's really scary. Yeah. So yeah, eight gigs of information for the AI for those 16 bots after three years of it running. Yeah, for sure. Pretty interesting story. Not sure how true, but I think that qualifies for spooky stuff and not spooky games. Totally. I mean, and I hope it's true. (laughs) I wonder if they respond, they lose all their information. (laughs) Yeah, totally. All those years of history. Yeah, I like the idea of that. More than I like the idea that there's a bunch of people in California just like making something that's going to eventually murder us all in our sleep. True. Because that's what's happening in real life. <laughs> well, speaking of spooky first person shooters, I have to give a shout out to Half-Life 2. Oh, yes. There's one specific part in Half-Life 2 that I think totally earns its place on this list, mm-hmm. but also kind of the whole game. Half-Life 1 also. There's a lot of freaky horror shit in the Half-Life series. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think for me, Half-Life 2 always stood out because, you know, similar to what I was saying about Zelda, it's got this really kind of like dark and sad atmosphere. You know, you're in this dystopian future Mm -hmm. world. Everything sucks. And then there's also like head crabs, which are just like face (laughs) huggers from aliens. Essentially. Yeah. And they turn people into zombies, Mm -hmm. you know? Of course. And... So you're already kind of like, man, this is fucked up. And then they're like, Ravenholm happens. 
Yes. Which is basically a level in the game that they just made a haunted house full of headcrab zombies. Yeah, and you know, at first I was looking at your list and I saw Half-Life 2 on there and I was like, eh. Then I started really thinking about like when I played through Raven Home and what a like dreadfully frightening experience it was. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Legitimately spooky. And I didn't want to spend another second in Ravenholm. <laughs> yeah. It's like a very scary haunted house zombie scenario. Um, and it's really fucked up and tense. And mm-hmm. one of the great things that it does that I actually wish more horror games would do is that they spend the whole game building its mystique. Right. Yeah. Because people keep telling you, like, don't go to Ravenholm or, like, we're not going to go to Ravenholm. And then later it's like, oh, here we are. It's the only <laughs> way through. And it's kind of amazing. So by the time you get there, you're already nervous or even scared of this right. place. You know, it's like, don't go in the well. It's like that episode of Rocco's Modern Life when he goes to driving school and everybody's oh, like, yeah. don't get the fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly no i love i love shit like that it's mm-hmm. it's such a cool way to pace a story to have something that's building towards that it's like building tension towards right. and half-life 2 does that really really well totally yeah um but yeah i mean i've mentioned it before on the show i sort of have i kind of have my own theory that i sort of think half-life 2 is a horror game yeah i'm like totally down for that yeah so Maybe we should talk about Half-Life 2 someday. <laughs> One of these days. After we talk about Prey, of course. Mm, yes, of course. <laughs> of course. Just burning up my backlog. I know, Prey is my hitman, okay? <laughs> so, okay. Final Fantasy VIII. A game yes. I played once in high school. And a game I've never really thought about since I've beat it again. But apparently there's this huge... Paul McCartney style fan theory out there that Squall is actually dead. Have you heard about this? Yes. There's a I website have. dedicated to it. Squallsdead.com. I didn't do any research for this episode mm-hmm. because I'm I'm super on top of my shit. <laughs> uh, but so my understanding of this theory and why I was actually super into it when I first came across it as someone who admittedly is not the biggest fan of this game mm-hmm. um, like okay so the, basically if you've played Final Fantasy 8 the ending is really weird and it's not just the ending it's sort of like the whole end section of the game almost the whole last third or last quarter of the game is like super weird and it makes no sense Mm. and i came across this theory at some point that was like the way they explained that was that when the game starts getting really weird and nonsensical is when squall dies and the rest of it is just him kind of just having like a weird fever dream before he dies right and it's really sold by the last cutscene in the game which doesn't make any (laughs) sense and feels like a weird dream ending yeah and so it's kind of like when I found this theory, I actually got really excited because I was like, oh my God, if that's what they meant, this game is genius. Right. And if it's not what they meant, kind of feels like they Xenogearsed it where they just didn't know how to drive it home. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like, here's the end. Yeah. Um, so the theory, I love this theory. 
The theory is that at the end of disc one, Squall gets impaled by an ice shard. And then everything on discs two and three are like his last thoughts or whatever before he dies. Love the idea. The game was too much of a mess for me to ever care to play it again. So uh, you listeners can tell me how legit that is. Yeah, I mean... This theory actually did make me want to play it again. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll get that Switch version <laughs> one day, you know. I'd rather play 9 or 6. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that good Of dude. course, of course both of us love Final Fantasy 9. Like, yeah. We were like the target market for it. 9 is for the nerds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 8 is for the cool kids. Yeah. Um, well, hey, speaking of that, I had a little mini sub list here of stuff that's in 16-bit Squaresoft games that I think is super fucking creepy. Nice. Right? Nice. Um, so, okay, number one, you just mentioned it, Final Fantasy VI. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about how Final Fantasy VI is a game set in a post-apocalyptic world where you are trying to save it from an evil killer clown? Mm-hmm. Can yep. we just talk about that for a second? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Final Fantasy VI is a horror game. It's basically <laughs> dark fantasy it, right? Sure, yeah. It's uh, creepy. Final Fantasy VI is depressed. Can we get someone to check on Final Fantasy VI? <laughs> yeah. I'm worried. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> totally. But yeah, if you, if you haven't played Final Fantasy VI, it's a really, really awesome and weird, very, very weird game. It's basically set in a world that's not dissimilar from Final Fantasy VII in that it's a mix of like traditional fantasy and sci-fi uh, I think the middle ground for Final Fantasy VII was kind of like cyberpunk, and in Final Fantasy VI, it's more like steampunk. Well, um, six has giant robots. Steam robots. Giant walking <laughs> robots, though. So, but yeah, the world is super dark and depressing. The main bad guy is named Kefka, and he's basically a killer clown. <laughs> uh, you spend a lot of it on the run and underground and fighting monsters there's the notorious river battle with the monster just keeps going over and over (laughs) uh yeah it's a real dark and creepy game and then halfway through there's a big time jump and the world gets darker creepier and shittier and yeah it's great imagine that (laughs) in a world (laughs) where everything just keeps getting shittier I, f- I feel like, like, Squaresoft went through this, like, goth phase. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? They didn't get out of it until, like, what was the Final Fantasy game with, like, the fucking stupid soccer game? Oh, ten. 10. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that game. The laughing? Yeah. No thanks. Dude. I love it. I love that game. <laughs> goth Squaresoft forever. Yeah, Goth Squaresoft is definitely better. But mm-hmm. for real though, if you like dark and creepy shit and you like old RPGs, Final Fantasy VI is absolutely a classic. Sure, like yeah. more than even for the average RPG fan, you know. Mm-hmm. But okay, another game also on the Super Nintendo, Chrono Trigger, widely hailed as one of the greatest games of all time. I think it's the greatest RPG of all time, kind of hands down. Mm-hmm. Chrono Trigger gets talked about a lot for being this sort of grand sci-fi adventure. There's time travel, there's kooky characters, blah, blah, blah. 
but man chrono trigger is actually also creepy as hell uh the direction of the game favors a lot of silence and really tense moments you know there's a lot of trawling through dark haunted castles there's a lot of like mm. tense interactions between people that uh, use silence to really build that tension, but nothing compares to the future in <laughs> Chrono Trigger. Yeah. So basically you're jumping between different time periods in this game. And at one point you go to the future and the future is a post-apocalypse, but like an insanely shitty one like (laughs) everybody is dead the few people who are alive are dying of hunger and they just like there's no food the world is just totally like shrouded in darkness the only people having any fun are like roving gangs of evil bikers Mm. like it's super dark and you end up just going deeper and deeper into these futuristic techno catacombs and man it's a real scary dark creepy experience yeah it's like the uh unfinished fourth panel of garden of earthly delights oh yeah (laughs) totally (laughs) that's a great way to put it and as if that wasn't enough uh basically the character that you get from going to this world is a robot who later develops survivor's guilt oh so i don't know what the fuck to do with that but yeah (laughs) chrono trigger has got some dark sided vibes thanks goth square (laughs) yes and of course the last bullet point on my list is a short one it's mario rpg did anyone else just think mario rpg was fucking really really creepy it's just me like harlequin bad guys clown faces no it's got this creepy claymation vibe like have you ever seen that weird claymation uh that british animation that's like from the 60s about the end of the world like it's like a nuclear holocaust rendered in claymation (laughs) no you don't know what i'm talking about okay i'll find it uh it's really great yeah (laughs) but yeah that's my uh that's my summation of square's very very cool goth phase goth square if you're listening, please come back. <laughs> please come back. Mario RPG even had some like creepy like uh optional bosses. Like the ones they borrowed from a Final Fantasy game. Oh yeah, totally creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole game it's it's just got a weird vibe. <laughs> well, going off the Nintendo vibes. Uh California Speed for Nintendo 64 had this really creepy Easter egg. Um this game is super not spooky, but for some reason, the back of one billboard has like a really creepy message on it. It says, sometimes God takes mommies and puppies away. And sometimes, Yeesh. just sometimes, I do. And just imagine being like a 12-year-old guzzling Mountain Dew and pizza rolls and finding that while driving backwards on your favorite california speed track yeah what (laughs) i hope that guy got arrested yeah that's fucking horrifying he definitely had people in his basement i hate (laughs) that uh i've also never fucking heard of that game well it's like a san francisco rush the sequel what is it connected because i thought san francisco rush 2049 was a sequel to san francisco they're all sequels man (laughs) widely successful uh little mini series we had going on 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 the nintendo 64 
I did like San Francisco Rush a lot. Yeah, I played it in the arcades. I never had the Nintendo 64 version. Yeah, my neighbor did. So I'd go to his house and play it. Sick. Pretty fun. These days I just go down to go down to the local arcade and uh play some Hydro Thunder. Mm. It's kind of the same thing. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hydro Thunder, that's just a Dreamcast on the inside. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Hell yeah. Love it. Okay, so here's a series I don't really like know about much or give a fuck about, but it has a long history of creepy ass Easter eggs. Uh the Halo series. Okay. Um, I, I think they did like one or two creepy ones in one of the earlier games. And then uh, people liked it so much, they just started putting these like Easter eggs that have been like incredibly hard to find in uh, all the other games. Um, some of them were hidden so long that developers had to like drop hints on Twitter about them and stuff. Crazy. They, they've done a bunch of cool things like reversed voices in the soundtrack with secret messages and stuff. Well, and we talked about the I Love Bees ARG in that uh, last topic episode. Yeah. 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 And there's the uh, famous like family of like cavemen hidden in a stage in Halo 3. That's just really creepy. Um, Weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's a ton of them. Uh, I only really know about like the most popular ones, but yeah. Halo nerds. How about that? <laughs> Well, and I've I've got a little one here that I think similarly you'd never see coming. Mm -hmm. That's the fucking last boss of Echo the Dolphin. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> can we talk about this? The like, giant alien xenomorph queen. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, if you let me tell you my experience with Echo the Dolphin. I had it when I was a kid, and me and my sister thought it was so fun because you just swam around and talked to fish yeah it was like inya cd the game the first level is like that the <laughs> yeah. rest of the game is not like that and it actually gets really hard like right away it's actually a mm -hmm. super hard game i think by the time you get to the third or fourth level it's brutally difficult mm -hmm. and we never we kind of just like never even bothered with playing the game we just like to play the first level and swim around and exactly. then listen to the soothing music yep however at one point, we were hips to the fact that there's a level skip cheat. Yep. And so we were like, okay. So we started skipping through levels. And this is the part where it turns into like a real life creepypasta or like an <laughs> actual horror game is basically as you skip forward in Echo the Dolphin, uh, things start to get darker and more mechanical. Mm, yeah. Slowly, the levels sort of become this weird, creepy sci-fi thing. Yep. And so we would, you know, park on a new level sample it for a minute obviously either not be able to figure out what to do or die right away yeah. and then just go to the next level and there's a lot of levels in that game so mm -hmm. takes a while but eventually we get to the last level and it's literally just a giant for the time realistically rendered xenomorph head hr <laughs> geiger styled nightmare mm -hmm. and i shit you not we were both like fucking screaming we we're like what the fuck is this what the hell it's so scary and i think it just eats the dolphin hole yeah it yeah. just like opens its mouth and sucks you in and so if you don't know like the pro gamer strat you die immediately and you're so shaken mm -hmm. you're just like is that how the game ends what the hell <laughs> nobody has beaten that fucking game 
Yeah. I, I feel like the experience you had is the experience many people had on that game. Is they played the first, like, one or two stages and kind of never went farther. Uh, I kind of did that for the first million times I played it. I feel like maybe in college I got a little farther. But yeah, level skip to the end. That's some creepy yeah. shit. I oh feel like it's God. just because, like, with that game, it feels like they really nailed the controls and, like, nuances of the controls of the dolphin. But then right. they were like, oh, shit, we have to, like, make a game out of this. What do we do? Yeah. You know? It's a real shame. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a cool game, but it's impossible. Yeah. And then you level skip to the end and are traumatized. Mm-hmm. So scary. Yeah. No. No thank you. <laughs> Speaking of no uh, thank you. So you can download like stages for Doom and Duke Nukem 3D online. Yeah. People can make them, put them on the internet, and other people can download them. Yeah. Uh, some real life mass murderers did that. Uh, the Columbine shooters have infamously, you know, back in the 90s when they did this, uh, they uploaded Doom levels to the internet of, like, their high school they shot up. Yeah. And so they've, these stages have been kind of, like, floating around the internet for 20-some years. But it, it just seems to be, like, like, cursed files, you know what I mean? It's just, like, gross underbelly of the internet. But, like, isn't that fucking spooky as shit, though? Yeah. Like this What's well, actually really scary? Yeah. Because, like, I mean, I was a kid when that happened. And, like, yeah. I was really actually scared of that happening. Sure. You know? Because yeah. it was, like, uh, yeah, so scary. Yeah. I mean, that event, like, started this crazy fucking, like, timeline we live in where, you know, fucking all these school shootings happen you know it all started what what was that 1998 uh i think 99 yeah so these like cursed do maps have been floating around for like literally like 20 years now it's crazy yeah yeah Yeah. it's nuts really really scary shit yeah i hate that i saw that on the list and i was like oh i hate that (laughs) yeah yeah but Um, um i mean that's that's real internet creepy shit right there doesn't yeah. get any more authentic than that yeah well it'd be nice if that was just a fucking memory and it didn't happen all the time because america's a hell zone where everybody but me has a gun mm-hmm. do you ever feel like that when you go out and you don't have a gun you're just like am i the only one here who doesn't have a gun yeah makes you want to go get a gun <laughs> if i lived where you lived I've ha- i'd have a bunch of guns man yeah i don't know <laughs> i'm not saying you should i'm just saying Things are complicated. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Let me. I'll share a couple childhood memories that are <laughs> less complicated. Speaking of school uh, shootings. Yeah. <laughs> classic. Classic schoolyard hijinks here, huh? Getting spooked playing Mario 64. That's fun. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, Mario 64. Well, okay. First of all, Mario 64. Kind of creepy. The empty castles. Oh, the totally. hub world. Yeah. yeah, falling down that hole with the fucking carousel and the ghosts and shit. Yeah, super creepy. And the piano that jumps at you? Come on. Yeah, so Super Mario 64 has a ghost level 
that's like a big haunted house and it is legitimately scary so it's got a piano that will scare the shit out of you the first time you find it because it <laughs> opens its top and it has teeth and it chases you and tries to eat you yep and then it's also got yeah like a merry-go-round that's full of ghosts which mm-hmm. i don't need to explain that right that's just horrifying and the spooky music's all out of tune and stuff yeah out of tune yeah. calliope carnival music fuck that mm-hmm. dude Mm-hmm. no 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 way um and, and another one uh that is a classic is the creepy screen in sonic cd oh yeah so there's like a code you can put in and it's literally just selecting a certain uh number of sound test files mm-hmm. uh in sonic cd and it'll basically flash you this weird screen that has a message in japanese and then a weird drawing of sonic with like a human sad face (laughs) yes like you guys should just google sonic cd creepy screen you'll find it it is horrifying and also weird creepy music plays behind it i remember seeing this as a kid and it freaking me the fuck out it's horrifying and apparently see okay it's better if you don't speak japanese and you saw it as a kid because apparently in japanese it says something pretty innocent Mm. uh but if you (laughs) don't know that you just see this weird message you don't understand and this horrifying drawing and you're like i am now cursed Mm -hmm. i will now die (laughs) yep you will die tonight (laughs) and now i go to my grave (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of mario um Mario Galaxy 2 has this really creepy race of people in looking down on you. Yeah. Like, just out of the corner of your eye or on the screen, you'll, like, see all these shadowed figures looking down on you as you're playing. Uh, They're actually, like, pretty hard to see, like, while playing the game. But I saw a uh, video by a YouTube channel called Did You Know Gaming? Yeah. And they did a, a... a kind of Easter egg special on the Super Mario Galaxy games. And they brought this one up. And I thought it was pretty creepy because, you know, Mario Galaxy's pretty lighthearted for the most part, you know? Yeah. And then there's these, like, creepy little bastards watching you the whole time. Yeah, it's creepy alien race yeah. watching you. The like Watchers. It. Yes. It's super creepy. I mean, space is scary. Let me jump on their heads. <laughs> yeah, why can't I? <laughs> Yeah, and I'll piggyback off of that and say the last Nintendo entry that was on my list, which is uh, Super Metroid. Mm, yeah. Like, creepy game, just in terms of pacing. It's very slow and atmospheric. It's a lot about exploration, more so than combat, really. But it's the fucking soundtrack, man. Like, <laughs> the soundtrack in that game is super scary. And... I kind of noticed playing it, you know, the I've played that game so many times. And so like I sort of noticed that, but I really noticed it. This was a few years ago when my niece and nephew were really little and we got really into just like listening to video game music, like mm-hmm. pulling up soundtracks on YouTube and just having them on in the background. Yeah. And we listened to the original Metroid soundtrack and they loved it. They were like, this is amazing. Nice. Uh, and I was like, oh, cool. And so I was looking at the, like trying to think of what to put on next when it was finished. I looked in the recommended bar and I was like, oh, Super Metroid. The, well, they liked Metroid. They'll love Super Metroid, right? <laughs> and I click on it and they were immediately like, turn it off. This is scary. <laughs> and I was like, 
Oh yeah, it's super scary. Scaring kids. Yeah. Gotta. <laughs> you gotta do it sometimes. Gotta do um, it. But seriously, go listen to the Super Metroid soundtrack if you can't summon it in your brain right now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's basically just like the soundtrack for a really horrifying sci-fi movie rendered in the Super Nintendo sound card. Yeah. It's amazing. Speaking of Super Nintendo nightmares, the last boss of Earthbound. What the hell is that thing? Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Earthbound has kind of a... Uh, really strange final act and you the last boss ends up being this like abstract kind of blobby nightmare thing and there's been a lot of dialogue on the internet over what the hell this thing is yeah well okay so before we talk about what the the fan theory is just some context for if you don't know what we're talking about so earthbound is a really weird and cool game uh, and it has a lot of strange things that happen in it, but the whole tone of it is kind of like lighthearted, you know, mm-hmm. like dark things happen in the world, but ultimately you're like kids on this adventure trying to save the world. It's got a sort of hopefulness to it regardless. Sure. Uh, and you get to the last boss and it's, yeah, it's this weird indescribable entity. The background that is, uh, behind it when you're fighting is like really weird and scary and it looks like a bunch of ghosts or ghostly faces Mm -hmm. the music is scary and basically uh it starts saying all this really weird creepy and sad shit while your characters start trying to like say life affirming things to keep themselves from being depressed Mm -hmm. it's in a game that is weird from the jump it is still insanely weird. And the only way to defeat it is to pray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird and creepy that it freaked out a whole generation of people and they started spinning fan theories, pretty much all of which have been dismissed by the creator, Shigesato Itoi, who is like, he's kind of an auteur. He's a writer. He created and wrote the whole game and its sequel. Uh, but the most popular one that started to spread as like an urban legend was that the last boss was like, like what even is it again? (laughs) Well, uh, apparently if you take the image and unwarp it, it starts looking like a sonogram of like a fetus. Right. So people started thinking that it was like an abortion or something, which like, right. I, I don't think people have any context into saying that, but I guess it yeah. does kind of look fetusy, but it also just looks like a lost soul, screamy face sort of thing. Right. I think it's just meant to be abstract and spooky. Right. And I think there is supposed, there's meant to be some commentary about like depression, you know? And like, this enemy actually just being this sort of like misunderstood depressed thing, you know, Yeah. which is why ultimately you end up kind of not fighting it to defeat it. Right. Yeah. You have to pray the sadness away. (laughs) Well, I don't know if they meant it that way either, but Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, yes, we love Jesus. Thank you. Sky daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. It's not even funny anymore. Uh, but yeah, like 
it, it is a really weird and creepy thing that happens in the game. And I like it. Yeah. The whole fan theory is kind of edgelordy, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I get why it came about. Cause it's sort of like, you're sort of reeling from it. The first time you see it, you're like, what was that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So another one that I think sort of leaves people reeling or is a, a total head fuck, uh, the end or sort of near the end of metal gear solid two. Oh yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah. <laughs> so basically there's a point near the end of metal gear solid two where your character is like running around naked, uh, basically while like a simulation falls apart around yeah. him. So like the whole game gets weird and glitchy. The commanding officer you've been talking to just starts spouting weird gibberish and, like suddenly has a weird uh, visible skull you can see through his skin yeah like it's just total madness it's pretty cool that game jumps the shark so many times but once it just like kicks down the fourth wall and starts doing this wild shit it you can't help but have your attention grabbed you know yeah totally there's a now classic moment where that aforementioned co just goes turn off the game now (laughs) And yeah. like it's great i've already aired out my hot take that i think that game is terrible overall and i hate it but that section is super baller and i actually really like that well at least the chief let us know that the ducks down at the park are free <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah um i think it's also interesting it's even more interesting now i actually thought of this again because you know there is this narrative going that Hideo Kojima really wants to make a horror game and I think between PT and that section of Metal Gear Solid 2 I think he could make a good horror game yeah I mean I like horror games when they don't make sense you know you don't get all the you don't get everything solved for you you know you're still left with mystery totally Um, I think that's the way to go here yeah absolutely but yeah it's it's super cool like even if you're not going to play that whole game which i don't recommend you do i do recommend you go find a video of that section and watch it because it's just so weird and crazy um totally yeah it's great and yeah you know what kojima you should make your horror game even if i don't think you could have made a good silent hill game i think (laughs) you could make a good horror game (laughs) well just like we said with resident evil 7 it, it was at its best when it's not being Resident Evil. I feel like if, yeah. if the next Silent Hill ever comes around, it's probably going to be at its best when it's not acting like Silent Hill. Yeah. I feel like now if they do a traditional game like that, it's just going to feel like a like a fan game, you know? Yeah, like a weird throwback. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, that... We've been through so many ups and downs with that series. I'm actually curious to see how I would react to that. Cause I actually don't know, you know, yeah. I might actually be like kind of into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, so since we're talking about silent Hill, I think I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about uh, creepier stuff that are already in creepy games. Okay. Um, so data miners have done a lot with uh, the P- PT demo, you know. They've taken it apart front and back and, you know, explored the streets of Silent Hill on foot, things like that that weren't possible playing it normally. Right. Um, one data miner found that Lisa, the ghost in PT demo, 
is always following your character, like right behind you. And yeah. this is something that you wouldn't know at all playing the game. But, you know, with the game being data mined, you just find out that, like, Jesus Christ, it's behind you the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. What is even the That'll point fuck of that? Up. Yeah, that'll fuck up your Tuesday. Just remembering <laughs> that. The lease is always behind you. With a gooey eye. <laughs> well that's super cool though because like i remember the first time i saw j-horror movies one thing that i really loved about them was that they loved to play with like the field of vision and make it look like something was in the corner of your eye or like just out of frame mm-hmm. and it's a really really cool uh, way to build tension and create horror and i thought the whole idea of that character always being just out of frame like ooh, that's creepy as fuck yeah yeah there's another one. Um, there's a really obscure PlayStation 1 horror game called Kowai Shashin. Yeah, okay. And I watched a couple of videos of this, and I was mega confused. So you need to tell me what the fuck this is, because this shit looks weird, dude. Yeah, so, okay. This is a game, sorta-ish, like Fatal Frame, where you have to look at ghost photography and exercise it. Yeah. The theory is that they used real ghost photography and uh. then some developers that were working on the game died. Uh. I, I cannot confirm these events. But, <laughs> creepy as hell. The game seems pretty creepy. Like, I mean, it's just taking, like, photos and having, like, shitty CGI ghosts on top. Yeah. Well, not, like, CGI, like, shitty Photoshop. But the photos are creepy. Yeah, super creepy. The game is weird and low budget in a very creepy way. That yeah. like if someone had intentionally made it now to look like a cursed PS1 game, I would be like, wow, you guys did an amazing job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. The only thing that's in well actually no, you know what's even what makes it even weirder is that there's like this weird, like, anime goth girl. <laughs> in the game that's like the game's mascot or something and it just makes it even weirder because it's just like what is the atmosphere and tone of this game yeah so weird mm-hmm. and the playstation buttons are like superimposed over like these like satanic looking runic symbols and shit like what yeah. the hell is this yeah where is the english translation patch was my first question and my second question <laughs> is what the hell is this keep the weird shit coming japan that's all I gotta say. We gotta check out that game. Yeah, it's spooky. Maybe we'll die. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the last episode of Zero Brightness. Yes. Go out in a bang. You know what? I think at some point we could probably do this again. Yeah. Totally. Because there's more. Hell, I have more. Even just talking about it. The more you talk about it, the more you think of stuff that was just super weird, off-color, and creepy that you found in video games. I'm personally glad I never found that California Speed one. That is horrifying. (laughs) Yep. Um, But yeah, let us know. Um, You can hit us up on Patreon or Discord or send us an email. Uh, Let us know what shit that you guys think was super scary in games. You know, what was some stuff that scared you? What was your Smurfs rescue in Gargamel's castle? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I I like this stuff a lot. It's both nostalgic and weird and creepy in a way that I really appreciate. 
Yeah. 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 Game Club. Speaking of nostalgia, (laughs) we're going to cover two of my favorite games and one that James has never even fucking played. Yep. Which is crazy. Yes. Don't know how you swung that, Woodard. (laughs) A lot of games in the world. Only one. Yeah. But there's only one Dino Crisis. (laughs) We're doing it. Yeah. Can you believe it? This guy hasn't played Dino Crisis. Well, there's actually uh, a Dino Crisis 2. I already said the thing. You can't say I'm wrong. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's not even the first thing. Coming up first is Silent Hill 4, actually. Yes. The room. Yeah. The room. I'm really excited because I've always kind of been a big defender and advocate for that game but i haven't played it in so long so hope i still like it same yeah i used to love it yeah so it'll be fun revisiting it yeah and that's a you know that's a great one play that one and then after that we're gonna do dino crisis yeah. so Dinosaurs. yeah man dust off your velociraptors yeah i've got a disc copy oh sick yeah and I have a cat that kind of sounds like a dinosaur. Like she likes to run around kind of roaring like a tiny dinosaur. So we got to sample that. <laughs> oh, I'll sample it. She does it literally all day, every day. It's kind of driven me a bit insane. We got to get uh, Ezra to do a field recording of that. Maybe Junebug and Johnny will use it in a song. <laughs> oh my God, dude, you're so deep in it. <laughs> it's not real, James. It's not real. <laughs> 